global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Stocks do remain lower, but the S&P 500 index has trimmed its loss. Right now it is down 0.1%, have been down 5 tenths of 1%. The S&P falling 2 points. Dow Industrials down 85, a drop of 5 tenths of 1%. NASDAQ is up 9, a gain of 2 tenths of 1%. Tenure up 3.30 seconds with the yield of 1.84%. Gold up $1.40 to 12.15.20, an advance there of 0.1%. And crude oil down 8 tenths of 1%, down 40 cents now, 48.92 for a barrel of West Texas Intermediate Crude. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Thank you very much, Charlie Pellet. It is time now for the ETF report. It is brought to you by Vanek Vectors ETFs. Expect more from your munis. Target tax exempt income by maturity and credit quality. All with low cost ETFs. Visit vanek.com slash muni. Vanek. Access the opportunities. Let's go to Catherine Cowdery for the ETF report. Some ETF investors may be wishing they'd paid attention to that old saying, sell in May and go away. Bloomberg Intelligence Analyst Eric Belchunas focused on a few ETFs that have pulled back this month. The Market Vector Steel ETF, you probably didn't even think there was a steel ETF. It tracks companies that make steel. It um, got sold off uh, 15% in May, but this is profit-taking. It was up 55% this year up until then. So a lot of people literally are selling in May. Baltuna says investors are selling to lock in some profits. His other examples include the iShares MSCI Turkey ETF, which had gained 26% this year up until May and has dropped 10% this month. He also cites the Vanek Vectors Gold Miners ETF, which was up 87% until May 1st and has dropped 11% since then. That's your Bloomberg ETF report. I'm Catherine Cowdery. You're listening to Taking Stock with Pim Fox and Kathleen Hayes on Bloomberg Radio. Where is the stock market going next as it waits for the big jobs report on Friday as it waits for the Fed's next policy meeting in the middle of June? A lot of global forces buttressing stocks right now. Scott Clemens joins us here in our New York studio. He's chief investment strategist for private wealth management at Brown Brothers Caraman here in New York City. Welcome, Scott. Thank you, Kathleen. Happy summer. It's here, isn't it? <laughs> it's here with a vengeance. Big time. Big with time. Well, you know, uh, this summer may be heating up, the weather on the East Coast, but uh, corporate earnings, you know, if you look at them broadly, have not. Certainly some companies performing well. This is one of the big factors you're looking at as you look into the second half of the year for the U.S. stock market. That's right. I think one of my uh, job descriptions is that I get paid to worry, and perhaps the top of the worry list is the lack of corporate earnings. It, uh, to extend the metaphor, er- earnings are the fuel in the tank, and the fuel tank is running sort of thin. We've had six consecutive quarters now of a year-over-year decline in corporate earnings for the S&P, and that's, that's, that's worrisome. It's easy to blame a certain amount of that on the energy sector. It's also obvious to blame the energy sector, but it's not entirely energy. It's a pretty widespread malaise and profitability in corporate America. Having said that, let's look at some individual sectors, perhaps either uh, housing or automobiles, as we get those new figures. Yeah, those were, the, those were the two big drivers of the personal consumption, personal income type numbers we've gotten, and they're two strong points of the economy. 
Uh, and that's important because if you think about it, housing is the primary driver of wealth for most Americans. It's, it's not a financial portfolio, despite most of your listener base. It's really the roof over people's heads. It's the primary store of wealth. And then the job market's the primary source of income. So as long as those two things are in decent shape, the driver of personal income and personal consumption is in pretty good uh, shape. One of the things that I'm looking for over the balance of this year is whether or not we get an acceleration in wage growth. And we may be beginning to see that. Average hourly earnings up 2.5% year over year. That's not a great big number, but it does represent a little bit of an acceleration. That's important because that not only drives the economy, but ultimately it trickles down into corporate earnings as well. And of course, we'll get that piece of news on Friday right. in the in the jobs report. Corporate earnings, the fact that uh, even absent energy, they haven't been that great. Right. As the Federal Reserve contemplates raising the rate June, July, waiting till September, we right. don't know. Should they be looking at that? The consumer, even if we get stronger wage growth, the consumer is not roaring. It's just kind of plodding along. Should the right. Fed be more concerned about corporate earnings and corporate profits? You know, I think the Fed's concerned about a lot of things. Not enough to hold them back from raising rates in either June or July would be my bet. And it's sort of a coin flip as to which of the two it is. I, I believe the Fed is looking for reasons to raise interest rates because if they were simply dealt the hand that they've got, which is an unemployment rate of 5%, a reasonably good economy. It's not running away. It's, it's not strong. But compared to the rest of the world, it's okay. Okay. And they ask themselves, is that consistent with interest rates measured in basis points instead of percentage points? Yeah, I think the Fed would very much like to raise interest rates. They're not being held back by politics, this being an election year. Uh, they're not being prompted by inflation. There are no real inflationary concerns, but I think they'd rather move them sooner rather than later, simply that they can restore a little bit of a, of a normality to interest rates, knowing full well that at some point they're going to want to cut interest rates again. They can't say that. That would lead to concern and maybe even panic in the marketplace. But they right now don't have the ability to lower interest rates in response to an economic downturn. That tool's not in the toolbox. They very much like to put it back. Scott, what about investing in stocks? Most of our client money's in stocks. And uh, it's simply because the risk return trade-off in fixed income, at least traditional fixed income, is simply not that appealing. So we are finding within the market, and, and, and to go back to an earlier question you asked, those parts of the market that, that are reliant on consumer spending, you find that mostly in the consumer discretionary, even the consumer non-discretionary. Health care would be another uh, Am example I pay, Are investors paying too much, though, for these particular types of stock? Because I keep thinking, all right, if you tell me that corporate earnings are terrible, let's just... That's a generalization. Okay, I, I but understand yes, it, but yeah, yeah. in certain sectors, they're terrible. Yes. You want to buy something when they're terrible yes, exactly. because you want to make sure that someone else buys it from you when they think it's great. Exactly right. Exactly right. Buy low and sell high. I seem to recall that being one of the investment uh, uh, um, uh, guides to success. It can help you keep solvent. It's still, it's still very much the case. So it's a question of value versus price. And although the overall market is reasonably fully priced, about 21 times trailing earnings, that's not a forecast, that's trailing earnings, operating earnings, there are certainly uh, sectors and companies within the market that aren't trading at that. It's a very narrowly led market. Even though as we sit here today, the S&P 500 was in, is within, let's say, a couple of percent of a new all-time high, most of the stocks in the market are not. So there are opportunities. I just ran this data today. There is something along the lines of 150 stocks within the S&P 500. So 150 of the 500, 30% of the names in the index are 20% or more below their 52-week high. So there are opportunities within the market, although the overall index level wouldn't lead you necessarily to that conclusion. So give us some industries. I know you can't share your individual company names mm -hmm. that you're investing your clients' money in. but And let's start with something that, you know, 
technology and with and within technology, what part of technology you do or don't like? Because it's a pretty broad field. That's a broad field. It's a very broad field. We draw a distinction within technology between uh, service providers and product providers, and we love to own companies that sell essential products and services that have repeat customers. That tends to be more of a service type uh, business model than a product type uh, business model, and particularly when that service is relying on demand from the consumer. And we're pretty optimistic about the strength of personal consumption. We're finding opportunities in those areas. Now, Scott, I understand you help manage at Brown Brothers Harriman about $27 billion of customer assets. That's right. What are some of the questions that you are being asked by these customers? Well, I mean, some of them are the obvious questions. When is the Fed going to raise interest rates and by how much? And that's really born out of a desire to earn a reasonable rate of return out of traditional fixed income. Conservative investors, and I, I think I would characterize most of our clients as conservative investors with a lowercase c, love the idea of earning a reasonable rate of return on stable patient capital. And that's What's a reasonable rate of return these Something days? measured in percentage points, not basis points. <laughs> um, I was talking to a colleague uh, uh, last week about about money market yields, and we looked at a graph and, and, and realized, much to our shock, that money markets back in 2007, not ancient history, you could earn five, five and a quarter percent on money markets. And when you say that today, you sound like granddad talking about nickel cokes down at the corner store. But that, that's an extraordinary example of how far we've come. To get five and a quarter percent today in fixed income, you have to own non-investment grade debt, junk bonds. So in a little less than 10 years, you've gone from money markets to junk to earn the same amount of return. That's a pretty telling statement about how challenging it is for investors today. Quick look at overseas equity market. You started your career uh, as a portfolio manager looking at European stocks, at Asian equities. So do you see buying opportunities in those areas of the world? Selectively. And, and, and Kathleen, more often than not in the shares of multinational companies that by, if you will, historical accident happen to be located in a certain part of the world, but, but really who do not respect any geographic borders when it comes to to pursuing clients and pursuing business growth. And, and I believe as an investor, we should look through geographic borders as well and looking for opportunities. So they're fewer and far between. And where we find them, it's more in the multinational sector. you have any thoughts on the U.S. dollar right now? You know, I, I've got colleagues who pay Mark a lot Chandler. more attention than that. Mark Chandler, yes. you know Mark. Yeah, Mark's been on your but show But I mean, in before, terms of what it means for corporate profits, because yeah. I keep hearing this thing, well, you know, the reason that they're having trouble selling things overseas is, you know, the dollar is too uh, yeah. expensive and... I, I generally, I think that's more of an excuse than a reason. When you actually open the hood and look below the hood of what companies do, they're either operationally hedged or they're financially hedged. So it's it's a handy reason for, uh, I'm going to be cynical now, for a CFO to explain away a quarter's uh, miss, but I think it's more excuse than it is reason more often than not. Thank you very much. Thank well you. Well done. Much appreciated. Yeah. Scott Clemens is the Chief Investment Strategist, Private Wealth Management for Brown Brothers Harriman, helping to manage nearly $27 billion of customer assets. You're listening to Taking Stock. I'm Pim Fox, my co-host Kathleen Hayes, and we're going to take you through to the close of trading right now on Taking Stock on Bloomberg Radio.